exploring our podcast. Nothing is sweeter than SwiftCast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 84. This is Haley. Ashley. And Steph. And welcome back to another amazing episode. I'm excited about this one. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on. So the real cool thing that's going on right now is the 13 Days of Taylor. So we're going to quickly do a recap for you of what's been going on and what's been selling each day. So on day one, we had new iPhone cases and free shipping, which was really cool. I actually kind of like the iPhone cases. Me too, but I can't tell if they're sturdy. The red ones were not at all. They broke very easily. I tend to drop my phone and I'm afraid that it would break my phone if I had one of those and dropped it. I think the problem was that they're just plastic and they don't really have any kind of padding. Yeah. They are really cute though. I wish they would make like iPod cases as well since I don't have an iPhone. They probably will, maybe. All I know is I still have like seven red iPad cases and no iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Going on to day two, the Seagull t-shirt was 10% off, and then the Vinted t-shirts were 50% off. So if you got that sale, it was really cool because you got major discounts on some t-shirts. I did the 50% off vintage t-shirts. I'm excited because I've been wanting those vintage t-shirts for a long time. I just wish there would have also been free shipping, but I'm hoping that they bring that back at the end. Me too. I think day three had the most discount, but I think it's on the most expensive item in the store. And that was the Peter Max artwork was uh, discounted, like, a lot, which was cool. And the 1989 tour shirts were 20% off that day. So day four was a sale on all Taylor's different perfumes, which are always good to stock up on. And they also added incredible things into the store, which is cool because it was only available at Kohl's up until then. I love Incredible Things. I've been wearing it every day since my birthday. Thank you, Ashley. (laughs) That was a good birthday gift. It was the greatest birthday gift. I actually don't know what's wrong with me because I've had mine for over a month and have not opened it. What? Girl, get on that. I don't know why. I just, I haven't gotten around to it. I really should get on that. You should. Have you used the shower gel and lotion too? I used the shower gel. I did not use the lotion yet. I like the shower gel versus the Wonderstruck ones because it wasn't as strong to me as those ones were. Hmm, that's good to know. I tried the perfume on when I was at Kohl's and I liked it. So the day five sale, they introduced the new 1989 blanket, which I know everyone was really excited about and had sales on the other blankets as well. I kind of want this blanket, but then if I get this blanket, I have to get every other blanket and that will just be a hit to my wallet. I agree. I only have the red blanket, and yeah, I really want the four-album one that Ashley has. It's the best blanket ever. I don't really use it because I'm afraid of messing it up. I have a few snags on my red one, but it's not as bad after having it for, what, two years now? Yeah. It's not as bad as I thought it'd be. So the day six sale was a sale on most of the t-shirts and tank tops in the store. So that was a good opportunity to get some of the new 1989 shirts. And then day seven, which is today, there's $2 off of all holiday products, including the new ornaments. I love all the ornaments. 
The other exciting thing that they've been doing with this year for 13 days is they've been having flash ticket sales at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's always a different show. It's always within one section where your tickets will be. You don't know which row you'll actually be in. But you get two tickets for $279. I thought that was a cool idea. You have to pay $26 in shipping, but... I believe you also get a mystery gift, which is another cool thing that they've added to this 13 days. And some people have been getting some really cool items. One person got a hat worn by Taylor on the Red Tour. Another person got gloves Taylor wore on the Speak Now World Tour. And I've seen an autographed Red CD and also a dressing room sign. Other people have been getting amplifiers and keychains. I got three amplifiers and three keychains. <laughs> hey, I like the keychains. Those keychains are cool. Yeah, I like the keychains. I like that they have an engraving on the back. It's really luck of the draw, but keep ordering, see what you get. Who knows? Just keep ordering till you get the prize you want. <laughs> My question is how they have a hat from the Red Tour when Taylor, I thought, gave it away every night. Maybe they just had extras or something. That's why I'm skeptical that she actually wore the ones they're giving away. I don't think she did. I don't know. Maybe there were a few nights where she didn't give it away. That's true because actually some of the nights in the stadiums, even the pit was like too far away from the stage for her to even reach out. Yeah, I bet that's it. But last year what they did at the end of the sale was they brought back everything. All of the deals came back. And free shipping for Taylor's birthday. So I'm hoping they do that again. That would be fantastic. I'll buy so much. We have six more days of 13 Days of Taylor, so I'm really excited to see what they bring out. We know that the vinyl will be out this week, and we also can expect that the new Meredith and Olivia long sleeve shirt and the release date long sleeve shirt should be out, but I really don't know what else to expect. Well, next week we'll be recapping the rest of the 13 Days of Taylors for you. And a quick side note that I just remembered happening. Last year, I got a red Tervis during the 13 Days of Taylor, and it just broke. Oh. I was running to work, and it fell and broke, and it made me so sad. Did it completely crack? No, it right where the lid like goes, where the two parts meet, broke very nice and neatly. So I can probably glue it and hand wash it for the rest of forever, but... It still made me sad. Well, they need to bring those back for you. They do. And I will buy one again. So I will have a non-broken one. Well, Taylor had a very exciting week. So we're just going to go right into Keeping Up With Swift and tell you all about that. So the first thing is 1989 returned to the number one spot with 281,000 physical sales this week, which is really cool. And that made a total of 2.5 million in physical sales, which is Amazing! So that made 1989 number one for its fourth non-consecutive week, which is really cool. So recently, Billboard actually just revised its charts so that they now include on-demand streaming and digital track sales. So with this new method, 10 digital track sales from an album equals one album sale, which I guess makes sense. And 1,500 song streams from an album equals one album sale. That's interesting. 
So all of the major on-demand audio subscription services are included in this. So that includes Spotify, Beats Music, Google Play, and Xbox Music. So the reason why it's so awesome that Taylor is still number one with 1989 is because this new revision that just went into effect this week means that artists who make their work available on streaming services like Spotify should be favored by this new revision, and it should actually end up punishing artists who don't use streaming services. And so when I first heard about Billboard making this change, I was a little worried. I thought, wow, maybe this is going to pressure Taylor into using streaming services. But obviously, as Scott Bruschetta says, you can never doubt the power of Swift, and she still is on top. So I guess even with having this advantage, a lot of other artists still can't even come close to her. That's exactly what it means. I don't know if maybe in the future this will push Taylor to do streaming, but I think she feels so strongly about it that she just won't. And if she ends up not being number one on the charts, she'll just deal with it because she still knows how to sell an album and that's what she wants to do. The other thing that Taylor's still on top of is the Hot 100. Blank Space is still number one there. And it's also number one on Billboard's 200 chart, which means that now Taylor has spent 28 weeks on Billboard's 200 chart throughout her career. And the only people who have beat her out on this include people like Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. I expect her at some point to beat both of them and have the most weeks ever on the Wars 200 chart. Another really cool thing that just came out was Rolling Stone placed 1989 as the 10th best album of 2014. Should have been a little bit closer, in my opinion, to number one. Only the 10th? What? Well, I thought it was impressive because it's only been out for five weeks, and they still thought it was the 10th best album. I think next year it will probably be higher on the list. Well, wouldn't it not be on the list since it won't be an album of next year, technically? I'm not quite sure how their lists work. Maybe that's right. Well, we'll just have to see. But I think the most exciting news of this whole week was that Taylor got three Grammy nominations. Yay, Grammy nods! That was huge. And they're all for Shake It Off, which we pretty much predicted since the rest of 1989 isn't eligible yet for this year's Grammys. So she's nominated for... Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Pop Solo Performance. And I'm pretty sure she might be singing Shake It Off at the Grammys. I think so. Probably a good guess, Ashley. But I really like that everything she was eligible for, she got a nod for. Yeah, I thought this was really awesome because I'm sure people were writing Taylor off for the Grammys this year because 1989 was not eligible, but she's an three categories and i really expect her to take home at least one shake it off is a huge song when you look at the competition i think she has a good shot i saw in a video that she was really excited over the best pop solo performance being nominated for that so just in case people are curious taylor's competition in these categories for record of the year it includes fancy by iggy azalea chandelier by sia Stay With Me by Sam Smith, and All About That Bass by Megan Trainer. I feel like the only one of those that has a decent shot and would deserve to beat Taylor would be Sam Smith. I agree. The others, in my opinion, are kind of a joke if they beat Shake It Off. I agree. 
And it's very similar for Song of the Year. That category also includes All About That Bass, Megan Trainer, Chandelier, Sia, Stay With Me, Sam Smith, and Take Me to Church, Hoser. And finally, Best Pop Solo Performance, which I think is a tough category, includes All of Me by John Legend, Chandelier by Sia, Stay With Me by Sam Smith, and Happy by Pharrell Williams. Wasn't that nominated last year? Yeah, I thought it was also nominated and won things last year. I don't even understand how it's nominated again. But in this category, I think All of Me and Stay With Me are tough competitors. But I'm really optimistic. I think Taylor will take home at least one, if not more. And they better announce whichever one she does win during the show and not in the pre-show. Oh, I hate it when they do that. And so I think because we've seen three nominations when 1989 isn't even eligible, wait until next year. It's going to be amazing. You know what's really funny is that I saw this going around Tumblr. They said Warren Taylor, Chandelier, and Shake It Off both start with a shh sound. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Well, earlier this week, Taylor announced the Australian leg of the 1989 World Tour. She'll be heading there in December of 2015. And you can go to Taylor's website under events for all of the details about tour. Tour time. Well, be sure to pick up your copy of Lucky Magazine and ASOS because Taylor is on the cover. I'm really excited when I see Taylor on the cover of magazines. Absolutely. It's hard to get them all, though. Sometimes I can't even find some of them. Before, a few weeks ago, I never even knew that ASOS had a magazine. So I'm really excited about this and was kind of surprised about it, but Scott Borchetta is going to be a mentor on the upcoming season of American Idol. That is pretty cool. So Ashley, why were you surprised by this? I really love Scott and I'm so excited to see him. I just don't think he is necessarily cut out to be a TV personality. Oh, okay. I was surprised because American Idol is, in my opinion, kind of dying. It's on the 15th season. I don't watch it anymore. Maybe some people do. But I just think there are more innovative reality competition shows out there now. He must have a good reason for doing it. He's a very smart businessman. Oh, yeah. He definitely has a good reason for doing it. And he's actually replacing Randy Jackson, who has been with Idol since the first season and is now completely done with it. And it's not like he's a judge. He's a mentor. So it'll be interesting. Scott is one of the smartest people in the music industry right now and knows talent when he sees it, obviously. That's what I was about to say was Scott Bruschetta would be really good at picking vocalists because that's basically what he does in his job every day. Exactly. And Scott has picked not just Taylor, but Scott has picked up so many other amazing acts and Big Machine just dominates everything, really. Another exciting thing that's going on right now is all of the different jingle balls throughout the world. The ones in LA and London have already occurred. Taylor has had laryngitis, and she still just killed it at both of her performances. Her set list for both shows included We're Never Ever Getting Back Together, Blank Space, I Knew You Were Trouble, Love Story, and Shake It Off. And in LA, she opened the show, and then in London, she actually closed it. And so I think we'll see that trend with the other shows she has coming up probably opening or closing because 
she's the biggest one there. I think she killed it, even though she had laryngitis. In the interview, she could barely talk, and then she goes on stage and just sounds perfect. Taylor also has a lot of other stuff going on in addition to the Jingle Balls that just happened, so we're going to go right into her schedule for the rest of the year. On Tuesday, December 9th, the Victoria Secret Fashion Show will finally air. Yay! This was filmed last week in London, and I predicted that Taylor would sing Shake It Off and Blank Space, and I was wrong. She sang Blank Space in style, which is obviously perfect for a fashion show. I was like, duh, why wouldn't she sing style? But I'm really excited. It also makes me think style will definitely be the next single after Blank Space, but I know it's still a little bit early for her to be thinking about that right now. But she looked gorgeous. She had two different outfits on. She went to the after party and also looked gorgeous there. And it'll be fun to see, especially because there are other acts, including Ed Sheeran, Poser, and Ariana Grande. And Taylor mentioned in an interview that she actually had a hand in selecting the other artists this year. So the lineup makes sense because Taylor loves all of those other acts. And I also just have to say the photos of Ed at this show were incredible. Exactly what we hoped and dreamed for. (laughs) (laughs) He was so adorable. Talk about a kid in a candy shop. On the 11th, Taylor is nominated for the International Artist of the Year at the BBC Music Awards, which is a brand new award show. Yeah, this sounds like an interesting new award show. They only have three categories, and I believe the rest of the show will be live performances. That is really cool. And then the next night on the 12th, Taylor will be at the Jingle Ball in New York City, which... I'm very jealous because Ashley and Steph and Jill are going to that. It should be cool. It should be cool. You're saying that so cool like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it'll be cool. <laughs> I kind of wish I could just watch Taylor all night and not have to watch some of the other artists, but they should be cool. You know, we'll see. Actually, what I'm really hoping is Ed showed up in LA as a surprise guest, and that would be great if he showed up in New York also as a live guest. Then on December 13th, a very special day, Taylor's 25th birthday. Woohoo! Yay! You guys should tell us what you're doing for her birthday. Are you making a cake? Anything else? I'm going to make cookies. Are you going to make a Taylor recipe? Yeah, I'm making her chai cookies. Oh, those are amazing. Have you made them yet? No, but I have all the ingredients and I'm waiting. I've made them twice so far and people love them. They just disappear. I'm so jealous. I want to try one. How does the chai taste in it? Does it taste like crunchy or can you barely taste it? You can't even taste it. They really just taste like sugar cookies with a really good icing. I definitely recommend doing the icing she included in her recipe. And I also recommend doubling the icing recipe because I like a lot of icing on my cookies and her proportions didn't give me enough icing. But they're amazing. Well, good to know. Well, on December 13th, in honor of Taylor's birthday, MTV is airing a special called 25 Candles, which is basically 25 moments of Taylor. And that's going to be airing at 8 a.m. Eastern and then a couple more times throughout the day. So definitely check your local TV guide and catch that while it's on. And finally, one more thing happening on the 13th, Taylor's new exhibit at the Grammy Museum in L.A. is going to open. So that's exciting that it's on her birthday. 
Too bad she can't be there for it. Yes, and Taylor actually won't be there for it because she's going to be performing on December 14th on the X Factor UK's season finale. And so that will be around 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 14th. Then that night at 9 p.m. Eastern on ABC, Taylor will be featured in Barbara Walters' 10 Most Fascinating People of 2014. Should be very exciting. And then to end the, this incredible year that Taylor has had, on December 31st, Taylor is going to be on Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve with Ryan Seacrest, and she's going to be the finale that night. She's been in all of the promotion for this, doing commercials with Ryan Seacrest that are funny and cute. So be sure to tune in. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. And although she'll be in the, the finale, I expect her maybe to appear throughout. So it should be really good. Well, I seriously cannot wait for all these Taylor stuff. I'm getting Taylor overload almost. Yep. And then after the new year, we have People's Choice, Grammys, tour, so much exciting stuff. It's like getting us geared up. Well, it's time for our mini segments. So we're going to go right into that. Our first one is from WolfGirl54, and she says, I'm to the point where I'm complaining about people liking Taylor Swift because I swear they hated her five months ago. Swifty problems. <laughs> I haven't gotten people saying that they love her, but I've definitely got people who didn't like her before coming up to me and being like, I like the new her. So I kind of like that. Yeah, I see it both ways. I'm glad she's getting more fans, but then when I do see people who have made mean statements about her on social media and now they like her, it's kind of annoying. Especially if they're people who made fun of you before for liking her and now they're big fans. And you have to just think, I told you so. Why didn't you listen to me back then? <laughs> well, our next one is from at Miss Nicola and she said, I'm stuck between the 1989 hoodie or a phone case. Help. Well, I would say go with the hoodie. I was about to say hoodie, too. It'll last longer. Yeah. Our next one also deals with the 13 Days of Taylor from at Fearless Whovian. Taylor Nation, you guys are really putting my self-control to the test in not buying merchandise. Swifty problems. Well, I really like this next one because it is so true. At Starlight's with two Z's and then an underscore 13, she says, Stalking Taylor is too hard. I can't even catch up with her schedule. One day she's in New York City, and today she's in London? Swifty problem. And then she's going to be back in New York, and then she's going to be back in London. Like, what? Major jet lag. And laryngitis. <laughs> <laughs> Insomnia. That's what she's going to have for the rest of the month. Our next one is from at Son of a Swift. And they said, there's no Swift Miss in Europe. Hashtag 13 days of nothing. Aww. Well, maybe they can find stuff on eBay or befriend a US Swifty and ask for help. It does stink for them, though. Our final Swifty problem for this week is from at SMG My Muse. Freaking out when you see a lot of 13s everywhere. Very true. I always grab my 13 PDA at work. It's fun. I feel like I have Taylor's good luck all day. Well, keep sending us those Swifty problems and let us know what's going on. Right now, we're going to go right into our fashion segment. So this was when she was leaving her hotel in London on the 30th. She wore a Demi Lee Josie sweater in blue sapphire, which 
was originally $296, now it's $207 on sale. She paired that with the Joe's Jeans So Soft Mid-Rise Denim Leggings in Caramel. Then she had her Rag and Bone Cur Nubuck Ankle Boots in Bordeaux, which is $550, and her Dolce & Gabbana Large Agata Shoulder Bag, which of course is no longer available. And her jeans are no longer available as well. On December 1st, Taylor was in London shopping at Kath Kidston, and during this outing, she had on the Free People Rib and Lace Turtleneck, which is $48. I love that turtleneck. She also wore it when she was with Abigail in Nashville. It is really cute, and it comes in a lot of colors, too. Yeah. Our next one is from December 2nd, when Taylor was in London for the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. On the pink carpet, Taylor wore a strapless sparkly dress from Jay Mendel's Spring 2015 collection, and she also wore Jimmy Choo Vibe Heels for $875. For the after-party show, Taylor wore a gorgeous white gown. It had a thigh split on it, and then the top of it had these diamonds laid out on a nude overlay top, and it was also long-sleeved. And that was from the Zuhair Murad Fall 2014 Couture Collection. And she wore that gown with Jimmy Choo Vladia platform sandals. And those are $925. This dress for the after party reminded me of the gown Taylor wore for the Winter Whites Gala when she was with Prince William and Bon Jovi. It just looked kind of similar. I loved it. I love this dress. It was so beautiful. So when Taylor was leaving the 1975 concert in New York on December 4th, she was wearing a Rick Owens leather biker jacket, which is no longer available. And she wore that with her Shelley's London Isis cutout ankle boots, which is $140, but they're on sale right now for $99.99. The next day, Taylor flew across the country to LA for the Kiss FM Jingle Ball on December 5th. And on the red carpet, she had a gold brocade skirt dress with a black strapless top. And that's from Ramona Caveza's Fall 2014 collection. And that was paired with black and gold Brian Atwood Zenith embellished suede pumps, which are no longer available, but at $1,473, that's probably okay. <laughs> I love that dress, though. It was so suitable for the holidays. Wait, it's no longer available? I wanted to buy that. <laughs> for the Capital FM Jingle Bell Ball in London on December 7th, on the red carpet, Taylor wore a long-sleeved, bright-colored, it looked like it was beaded texture dress. And it's from the Sachin and Babby's Fall 2014 collection. And she paired that with black Charlotte Olympia Octavia suede and mesh platform sandals. And those are $1,125. That's what I'll buy instead. <laughs> now we got some information about some of the stuff she wore on her ASOS shoot. So on the cover, she was wearing the ASOS black crop top with gem color and glitter which is $104.23, and she wore that with the ASOS black mini skirt in glitter, which is $85.28, so I really, really like this one. It's, like, metallically looking. And then she wore, I think this was on the inside of one of the pages, she wore a pink long-sleeved glitter dress with a gem collar in pink, which is $180.03. Oh, so cute. Yeah, I really like that, especially for long sleeve dresses, which I usually don't go for. The cool thing about her doing this ASOS cover is because she wore a lot of ASOS clothes, they're somewhat affordable or at least more reasonable than usual. 
I still can't pull off most of these, though. Agreed, yeah. So another outfit she wore during the shoot was the Alice McCall crop top with frills and scallop edge, which is $246. And with that, she wore metallic pom-pom heels called the ASOS How We Do Heel Sandals, which are $85.28. Then with that, she had a colored polka dotted skirt. And for shoes, she had the silver ASOS Easy Money pointed Chelsea ankle boots, which are also $85.28. And then another one of her outfits was a pale blue top, which was the Alice McCall Twin Peaks top for $220, paired with a copper-colored foil skirt. These are all very cute. I loved just all of the metallics. I think that it's perfect for the holidays, and of course Taylor looks good and everything. She really does look good in everything. If you wanted to see pictures uh, to make sure you know what we're talking about, you can go to tayswiftstyle.com, and we would like to thank her for finding all this for us. So definitely go there and check it all out. Right now we're going to go into our main discussion, which we're going to be talking about the Billboard Woman of the Year. So this is really exciting because Taylor is the first person ever to be named Billboard's Woman of the Year twice. So it's a big deal. And she will not only be recognized at a luncheon in New York City this month, but she'll also receive an award at Billboard's award show, which usually occurs in the summer. So we can expect that in June or July. And not only that, but this magazine has just a beautiful photo shoot. She looks gorgeous on the cover. There are so many other gorgeous photos of her in all these different outfits. And for the one, she sort of recreated the cover and the back of Speak Now. And I don't know if she did it intentionally, but it killed us all. Because on the cover of Speak Now, we all know what it looks like with the dress flowing in her arms. And she wore a dress with pretty much that exact same pose. And then on the back of Speak Now, if you remember, she has that yellow dress that's kind of flowing out and her arms are just at her side. And she did pretty much the same pose in this dress for Billboard. I think it was intentional and she probably just wanted to kill us all. I think she probably succeeded. She succeeded. We all died. (laughs) This podcast is coming from the great beyond. So not only is this a huge honor for Taylor and she had a great photo shoot, but the interview was actually also really very interesting with some questions, which were not the typical ones people ask. They asked Taylor about moving to New York and said, a lot of times people forget that you were actually growing up in Pennsylvania, which isn't that far away from New York. And Taylor mentioned that she, as a child, spent summers in New Jersey and she started doing auditions in New York City when she was just 10 because she wanted to be in theater. And this was something I didn't know. She took voice lessons in the city when she was a child, and she was also in a halftime talent competition at a Knicks game when she was just 12 years old, and she lost to someone who sang New York, New York. And Taylor said something like, my competitor sang New York, New York, and I said, this is a song I wrote about a boy in my class when it was her turn for the competition. I love that. People forget that I, you know, grew up in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Yeah, I think some people criticize Taylor with being the welcome ambassador to New York and say, well, she just moved here. She's had no connection, but she's really been armored with New York for a long time. Forever. Yeah, people forget that thing. 
So they later to go on say, you have been criticized for the tone of 1989 song, Welcome to New York. Has it made you think any differently hearing people say that this is a difficult time to live in the city? And then she said, when you write a song, you're writing about a momentary emotion. If you can capture that and turn it into three and a half minutes that feel like that emotion, that's all you're trying to do as a songwriter. To take a song and try to apply it to every situation everyone is going through. Economically, politically, in an entire metropolitan area, is asking a little much of a piece of music. And then she also said that she is optimistic about New York City and some people might not be in that place and can't relate to what it says. I thought this was interesting because a lot of people have been critical about Welcome to New York. I don't really understand why. I don't think she wrote the song to reflect on the economic times and political challenges in the city. She wrote that song because she moved there and she's excited about it and she likes being there. And I don't know why just because it's a song about New York, she has to make it relatable to every single person who lives there. I think most people view New York as a city full of opportunities and a place where you can go and just dream whatever you want to dream. And I think that's why Taylor wrote the song the way she did. And I completely agree. A lot of people, when they move to a new place, they're thinking about all the things that can happen, not, you know, what's actually going to happen. I think this song can be related to almost anywhere, just that it happens to be New York to something that, you know, she went through instead of, you know, writing about Nashville. I think it just Welcome to New York and the message of it can be related through any place anyone goes. Right. And if she had written something like New York is too expensive to live in, everybody would have made fun of her because she's a millionaire and can afford to live there. So I just didn't really get the criticism. And I think people who are criticizing it probably only listen to it once. If they listen to it more than once, they'll fall in love with the song, I'm sure. So then they went on to ask Taylor more about the decision to make 1989 a totally pop record. And I remember Taylor mentioning this before, but she talked about Scott Borchetta's reaction and said that he was panicking a little bit. She said he went through all the stages of grief, such as pleading and denial, which is really funny. And he said, can you give me three country songs? And then I guess he asked, can we put a fiddle on Shake It Off? Which is so funny to me because I can't imagine there being a fiddle on that. (laughs) Nor can I imagine her performing Shake It Off at the CMAs or somewhere like that. So she said she gave him a very firm no to those questions and said that she really felt like she shouldn't try to exploit both genres when her album was clearly falling into only one, which was pop. And she said, I never want to pull the wool over people's eyes because people are so much smarter than a lot of marketing professionals give them credit for. Yeah, that was cool. I would really love to see Scott begging her to put a fiddle and shake it off. And in a way, I think Taylor probably learned from We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. They had the country version of that song and the pop version. And the country version just did not do well because it wasn't a country song. And I think she realized now this was fully a pop album. She didn't want to make people think anything otherwise. Whereas Red had a mix of country and pop. So with We Are Never, they just threw a fiddle in it. Kind of like what Scott wanted to do was shake it off. But I think if they had done that, that would have been a bad idea. The interviewer also asked Taylor about writing songs. And they said, Billy Joel recently said one reason he stopped writing songs was because people started reading too much of his personal life into his lyrics. And so they asked whether speculation about Taylor's songs becomes a hindrance to her writing. 
And she said she's been dealing with this for so many years now that she expects the media and fans to speculate because human curiosity is never to be underestimated. But then she also explained that she doesn't have anyone whose feelings are on the line except for her. And she said if she weren't single right now, then maybe she would feel differently about it because then another person's feelings would also be involved. So for right now, it's okay, but I guess that could change. I guess that makes sense since, you know, right now it's just her and her life. She doesn't have to worry about anybody else. Then the interviewer asked, what is your biggest challenge this year? And of course, she said their biggest challenge was convincing her team that the move to pop was a good decision. She said that was the biggest challenge. She said people questioned the title, the album cover with only half her face on it, and the switch of genres. And she said the biggest struggle turned into the biggest triumph when it worked out. This little portion reminded me of that tweet she made in the summer of this year when she said it was something like, at a certain level of jet lagged, all of my responses to business emails becomes, I'll do whatever I want. And I was just thinking maybe somebody was emailing her saying, I don't like this cover. Are you sure? It looks really weird. And Taylor just- I can see that. Sitting at her computer, I'll do whatever I want. Goodbye. This is my decision. I want to do this. That's probably what happened. I always wondered when she tweeted that, and I would like to ask her, what exactly were you responding to? But I'm betting it was something like that. So then they asked her about her mom. They said, your mom has been central to your work and your life. Between moving here and meeting all these accomplished women, has that relationship changed at all? And Taylor said no. And she said that her mom has let her grow up one year at a time and was very protective when she was a teenager. And this was a really good quote. Taylor said, everybody wanted me to become a cliche and I wasn't going to let it happen and my family wasn't going to let it happen. And now I'm allowed to be 24, almost 25, which is nice. That was a great quote. She also had a really great quote when they asked her to give advice to women who are looking into singing or songwriting. And she said, you're going to have thousands of decisions to make that will shape the public's perception of you. Let those decisions be your decisions. Don't let them be some man in a suit's decisions or some A&R guy with a beanie's decisions. I really like that because they're saying, you know, stick up for what you want. Well, they later said you're coming off your third million selling week. Now that you're really only competing against yourself, do you see a time when you'll step away from trying to do bigger every time out? And she literally said, I have no idea what's going to happen. So I think that's really nice that she's not thinking that far ahead. She later said that she was really hoping that people would go out and make 1989 part of their lives, and they did. And she said they proved that they still want to invest in music, and that's important enough to spend their hard-earned money on. Absolutely. I think it's good that she's taking the time to just enjoy the success of 1989 right now instead of obsessing over the next thing. Though I'm sure she's always thinking to the future, I think it's really good to just really appreciate how well something's doing right now. Especially because this was such a big risk and it was all her. There was actually, if you haven't seen it, there's a video of her talking with the Billboard people and she said something like, if this failed, it was going to be all on me. And my team would say, way to go, Swift. Good call. Moving to pop. It was just hilarious how she said it. Her expressions in that were hilarious. So the last thing they asked her was, do you feel like it's still a struggle to get acknowledgement for your own work? 
And they gave an example of how Imogen Heap said that when she went to work with Taylor on the album, she, before she met her, assumed that Taylor didn't write that much of her own music. And Taylor just said, basically, that people are wrapped up in their own lives, so they don't necessarily take the time to really know and pay attention to whether she writes things on her own or not. And she said, if someone has studied my catalog and still doesn't think I'm behind it, there's nothing I can do for that person. They may have to deal with their own sexist issues because if I were a guy and you were to look at my catalog and lyrics, you wouldn't wonder if I was the person behind it. That was such a great quote. She's basically just saying, I write my stuff. I've always written my stuff. If you don't get that by now, I can't help you. (laughs) And then she said that when she's in a room with a writer for the first time and she brings in finished song ideas to work on, they often act surprised. And a lot of people expect her to be someone who walks in and says, I don't know, what do you want to write about? Or something like the co-writer asks her what's going on in your life and she tells them and then they write a song about it but she said i wouldn't be a singer if i weren't a songwriter i have no interest in singing someone else's words that was my favorite part of the interview that was the perfect note to end it on i think and this was interesting to me because i actually had somebody ask me about taylor and they just said well it's not like she writes all of her own songs and i said what are you talking about? She does. And then they were like, well, she probably doesn't write everything. She probably has all these people doing it for her. And I said, no, you're completely wrong. And told him how she wrote every single song in Speak Now on her own. And when Time interviewed Taylor, she explained that after she wrote every single song for Speak Now, she didn't think she needed to prove herself anymore. And that's why for Red, she decided to work with such a variety of people. And so I'm kind of surprised when people still bring that up. And I do agree. I think it is a sexist issue. I feel like if she were a guy, no one would even question it. But I also think that with pop music, I think people just assume most artists in pop music don't write any of their own songs. And so to have Taylor now fully in pop, maybe people who weren't as exposed to her before are surprised to hear that she does when it seems like no one else in the genre does. But otherwise, I just don't see why this is coming up. I don't understand it either because she's been writing for almost 10 plus years of her life by herself. So... She's probably got it down by now. I think it's partially that her success is so huge and just keeps getting bigger every year that people don't quite know how to explain it and they're looking for an explanation of it. Like she must be getting help from all these people. Yeah, that's a really good point. And Taylor mentioned in a different interview that when you have somebody with success, there always has to be a yeah, but. And I think she used Beyonce as an example and said, yeah, she's successful, but her marriage is fake or makes something else up. So yeah, I think really to resolve this, you just have to look at the lyrics of ours, people throw rocks at things that shine. I think that's why people just bring up these weird things that don't make any sense. But you just have to shake it off. God, Stephanie, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) Good conclusion. If you guys had any opinions about this billboard article just email us let us know yeah there are several ways you can get in contact with us you can reach us on taylor connect at swiftcast 13 on twitter at swiftcast 13 you can send us an email at the swiftcast 13 at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the swiftcast you can visit our website at www.swiftcast13.com 
And also, please be sure to press the subscribe button on iTunes, and that will download the latest episode for you automatically. And it's always free, so definitely do that. And feel free to contact us with anything you want to talk with us about. So really quick, next week, what do you guys think Taylor will be doing? I think she's going to put birthday hats on Meredith and Olivia. Oh my gosh. Actually, only Olivia, because I think Meredith will kill her. (laughs) Do you think she's going to have a quick birthday party right before or after Jingle Ball? I don't think she'll have time after, maybe before. I really hope she does something for her birthday other than travel. I'm sure she will. 25 is kind of a big one. She can rent a car now. Not that she needs to. (laughs) I think she's going to do a lot of vocal rest this week before the other Jingle Ball on Friday. Yeah, I hope she feels better by Friday. It would really stink to be sick on your birthday. I think she's probably going to call us and invite us to her party or something if she has one. Keeping up with the birthday thing, I think she'll probably send a couple more fans presents for her birthday instead of getting presents for her birthday. That makes sense. Well, if anything that happens like that, we'll definitely tell you if it comes true or not. But for now, this has been episode 84. And this is Haley, Ashley, and Steph. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. The theme song for SwiftCast was written and performed by Sydney and Chuck. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.